Matthew chapter 26. We got into this chapter and Easter happened and we were right at the Passover on Easter evening. And so we've been two weeks back in the Old Testament looking at the actual Passover and the significance of that. And now we're back into the Gospel of Matthew where we're looking at the portion 17 to 29 of chapter 26 where the Passover was partaken of. We've looked at this. Um, the preparation was explained and the plotter was exposed and the plan was executed. And the supper was instituted there in verses 26 to 29. We notice there the Lord's body, the Lord's blood, the Lord's beloved and the Lord's blessing in 26 to 29. Now we come to the next section, the prophecy of Jesus in verse 26, 30 to 32, and moving forward from there, maybe into the prayer of the Lord Jesus. And so let us pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the consistency of your word. It does not contradict itself. But, Lord, it has been fulfilled and will be fulfilled. It's something that we can trust in at all times. And Lord, our lives should be governed by the Word of God. And I pray that as we look at the Word tonight and we see this prophecy that was literally fulfilled just that day, almost began to be. And Lord, how that the disciples did not want to hear what they heard. But yet it must be fulfilled. That these things be so and come upon the Son of Man. Lord, may we rejoice in what happened back then that affects us today and every day of our lives and for eternity. Thank you, thank you that you went all the way to the cross to make pardon for our sin. We ask and pray your blessing now on this service tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Yes, we see the prophecy of the Lord, just a brief one here in verse 30 to 32. Now the mood was very somber at this time. In the, the supper had just been partaken of. The Lord had said what he had in, in the verses 17 through to 19 and other verses of Scripture. Um, well, 17 to 29, not 19, 17 to 29 that Judas was going to betray him, that he was going to eat, that this is my body which is broken for you, and the disciples in their mind were, what's going on here? What is he saying? This is the Passover. <laughs> but he is switching it to fall upon himself, that he be the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. And uh, this is going to be for the remission of sins. And I won't drink this henceforth. And the disciples, oh, whoa, no. <laughs> We want a kingdom. But he said, I won't drink it henceforth until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And so it was a very somber mood in the upper room this evening and at this time, that gathering there. Judas had gone already. He was never to return. Uh, the next stop towards Calvary was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, we know there the different places that was stopped at he, he it's i love the thought from glory to glory huh. 
He came from glory and he went back to glory. Glorify thou me with the glory that I had before the world was. He said in John's Gospel chapter 17 in that high priestly prayer. And uh, <clears throat> he came from glory. He came down there to Galilee and ministered. And uh, here we see him in the garden tomb or Gethsemane as it is. He's heading toward that. So he's on the next step toward the cross was Gethsemane. Um, <clears throat> and so few of you have been there to Israel. And Gethsemane is not far away from the walls, from the uh, eastern wall of Jerusalem. You're going down through the Kidron Valley and up the other side, up the hill. Just, you know, if you were used to walking through a farm paddock, it's not far to walk up the hill, the Mount of Olives. So it's, it's called the Mount, but it's a large hill. <laughs> and uh, you walk halfway, a little bit, about halfway or a bit further up, and then you come to the, this, this place that they're heading toward. And this is where they were walking that night, from the temple, from one side of Jerusalem, through past the temple, down through the eastern gate, through the valley, and up the, up the, the Mount of Olives. And... They're going to stop there. But here, as they're celebrating the supper, at the end of the supper, in verse 30, And when they had sung an hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And it's appropriate that we sing, even as we celebrate the Lord's table. Is it not? <laughs> they sung here a hymn as they went out. Now, what did they sing? Psalms, it was. Let's go there and see what they would have sung. This, is, this was what they did at that time when they celebrated the Passover. And I'm sure the Lord would have kept that which they'd already had done in times past. He'd done in his life. They had done in their lives. And they go to Psalm 113. It'd be interesting to know the tune they sung it. But we don't have that. But we do have what they sung. <clears throat> Now let me read the, this psalm to you, or these psalms. Psalm 113. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Remember what the Lord knew was happening to him that night as he's singing this. And sometimes we might find it hard to praise the Lord, but we need to praise the Lord and sing unto him at all times. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the right... Hey, who, who wants to sing this one? Remember this tune at Murrindindi? The rising of the sun to the going down of the same. The Lord's name it shall be praised. Maybe others have heard it somewhere. That's been sung in, in, with our tunes. The Lord is nigh above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like unto our God? Who dwelleth on high? Who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and on earth? <laughs> the Lord humbleth himself to have a look <laughs> and see what's up. Pra Praise the Lord he's interested in what's going on down here. Without him, it wouldn't be good <laughs> at all. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust. He lifteth the needy out of the dunghill that he may set him with princes and with the princes of his people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. And he's thinking of people. They're thinking of people in the Old Testament. The psalmist is written there and you can think of those people. 
And then when Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from the people of strange language, Judah was his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The sea saw it and fled. The Jordan was driven back. Yeah, what's all this to do? With the Passover. What are they celebrating? The Passover. This is why they sung these hymns. The mountains skipped like rams. What mountain? Mount Sinai. And the little hills like lambs. What aileth thee, O thou sea, that thou fleddest? Red Sea, when it was parted. Thou Jordan, when it was heaped up and built up as they went past dry shod. Thou wast driven back. Ye mountains that skipped like rams and ye little hills like lambs. Tremble thou earth at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a standing water and flint into fountains of water. (laughs) And so as they celebrated the Passover and they sung this hymn as they went out, as they finished the supper, this is the thoughts that they had on their mind and they could sing it with meaning. This was their history. This was their forefathers. This is the scripture. This is what happened to their nation. And then they went on also and sung right up to chapter 118. (laughs) Um, We won't do that, but just take a few verses. Look at verse 1 of chapter 115. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name giveth glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Verse 5 of 116. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. 117 verse 2. For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. And then verses 1 to 4 of chapter 118. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say his mercy endureth forever. And let them now who fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. What's the message here? (laughs) And if you went over in Psalm, I think it's 136, there's 26 times that it said, His mercy endureth forever. And as I look back on their history, as they celebrated the beginning of their nation, they could look back and say, His mercy endureth forever. As they thought of their rebellion in the wilderness, they could say, His mercy endureth forever. Those times that they rebelled and said no to God, you know, in going into the land and keeping the word of God, Yet his mercy endureth forever. The time when God said to Moses, I'll destroy them and I'll make a nation out of you. And Moses pled their case. His mercy endureth forever. And as we look back in our lives, what can we say? As we celebrate the supper, even as we remember what he's done, his mercy endureth forever. And we ought to say that. As many times he could have said, that's it, snuff him out. You know, he's had his time, he's had his opportunity. They have had their opportunity, whatever but his mercy endureth forever. You know, at, at times when we, uh, other Christians sin or sin against us or sin, and we say, oh, Lord, deal with them. <laughs> and the Lord, we ought to say, that his mercy endureth forever. He is a gracious God and merciful in loving kindness. And so as they remembered the Lord's, the, the Passover, his mercy endureth forever. And they went through their history and the prophets and the rebellious kings and the judges, and all those times, his mercy endureth forever. He is absolutely holy. He is absolutely righteous. 
Sin, any sin, is a total offence to him. But he's a merciful God. And that's whom we serve. Aren't you glad? <laughs> Otherwise we wouldn't be alive if he, he didn't show mercy. And so these hymns reminded them of these, these things. And then back in chapter 26 and verse 30, And they that had sung an hymn, they went out. They went out. Every step of the Lord Jesus from that time that evening over to the Garden of Gethsemane was a heavy step to take because he's walking toward the cross. He's walking toward his crucifixion and he knew this was, hap this was going to happen when he got there. And so <clears throat> we can see the hurt suggested as they went out with these songs on his lips and in his heart and trusting in his Father, his God, <laughs> our God, his mercy endured forever. These guaranteed uh, strength for the battle ahead that raged with the devil as he was crucified. What should we do when we get into trouble sometimes? Shouldn't we sing? Shouldn't we sing? You, you think of the battles sometimes in Israel. Who were the first ones right up the front? Singers. The singers. <laughs> As they went into battle, they were singers, not the soldiers. They were strengthening the saints for the battle ahead. And, you know, good Christian songs, not these repetitive ones, but the good Christian hymns are things we should have. Singing and making a melody in your heart unto the Lord. He loves to hear the songs of the saints. And in eternity, I'm sure, we'll be singing. Even if you can't sing down here, you will sing up there in heaven. God loves singing, saints. Anyway, the hurt suggested in verse 31, Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. So he went from being a poet to quoting the prophet, or quoting yeah, the prophet Zechariah it is, chapter 13 and verse 7. All of them would be offended. Oh, what a job the devil does at scattering the sheep. And you know, most times the sheep let him scatter them. God's in the business of building the flock, of adding to the flock. Satan is in the business of of separating the saints and scattering and splattering the saints everywhere. Let's not do the devil's work by scattering the flock. God does not want his sheep scattered. Let's turn to John's Gospel, chapter 10. You know where we're headed. They would be offended that night. They'd be scattered. They'd flee all in their different directions. Peter and John stuck together that night but here in John chapter 10 verse 1 verily verily I say unto you he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold but climbeth up some other way the same is a thief and a robber verse 5 and a stranger will they not follow that is the sheep but will flee from him for they know not the voice of strangers and the, sh the sheep were scattered and fled that night in verse 8 of chapter 10, 
All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Folk, there are a lot of thieves and robbers around today, spiritually speaking. Watch out for them. But the sheep did not hear them. True sheep listen to what the robbers are saying and saying, that's not right. (laughs) That's not Bible. Show me from the scriptures. That's what we ought to be able to do as God's sheep. In verse 10 of chapter 10, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. Uh, The thief, the old devil, comes to do exactly that. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And down in verse 12, but he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catcheth them. And what does he do? Scatter them. Have you ever seen farmers? Have you ever seen uh, the neighbor's dog scatter your sheep or a pack of dogs scatter the sheep? Maybe you don't have them out there. You, there's no bush for them to hide in. <laughs> but if you're up, say, to Langard away in that, yes, that's what they do. They did it where I lived. It was, not, it was not the pack of wild dogs from the bush. It was all the wild dogs from Cockatoo. <laughs> all my little fluffy, furry dog. He would never hurt a thing. You get a pack of dogs together, they're like the old devil scattering their sheep, tearing them apart ripping their stomachs open, their bellies hanging out, they're still alive. You have to go down and shoot all the sheep that have been, they're just doing it for fun, they're not doing to eat. And that's exactly what the devil will do if you let him. Scatter the sheep, he scattered the sheep this night. Don't let him do that. And an hireling, the sheep will not hear. Go back to Ezekiel 34, and this paints the picture of the false shepherd, these robbers, these thieves that come out of the other ways to destroy and take advantage of the sheep. Don't be taken advantage of by these hirelings. And the word of God in verse 1 came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy, say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves, should not the shepherds feed the flock. Can you think of any ways in which these supposed shepherds today that are wolves in sheep's clothing feed themselves? Hey, it's very prevalent today. Money, in what way? Fleecing the flock. Fleecing the flock. Are they willing to have little to serve the folks? Are they willing to go... Uh, by without that others might be fed and this is exactly what it's saying here and that the prosperity gospel thing is right right here isn't it they feed themselves they drive around in mercedes benz some of them have private airplanes today should not they feed the flock what are they doing flying around like that you eat the fat and you clothe yourselves with the wool. You kill those who are fed, but you feed not the flock. And as the Lord Jesus was heading toward the cross as the true shepherd, the evil one was going to scatter the flock. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the, the, there's only 11 left. He started with thousands following him, down to 11. And the, sh- the sheep have been scattered. 
He, Ezekiel goes on and says, The disease ye have not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick, neither have ye bound up that which was broken, neither have ye brought again that which was driven away, neither have ye sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. And they were scattered because there is no shepherd. They become meat to all the beasts of the field, and they were scattered, isn't it? scattered, scattered is what we're looking at here, and because they did not do what they should have done for the people. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon the face of the earth, and none did search or seek them out. The shepherds were feeding themselves, too busy about themselves, then about the flock. Down in verse 12, As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep, then are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. We know that. That's a future day where the Lord will get the true shepherd. The shepherd of John 10 will gather his sheep together. And so <clears throat> let's not be a part of those that scatter. And the, the hurt is suggested by the Lord here. All will be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Praise God it wasn't for but for a, uh, a few days. They came together again. And we... Read on in verse 32 of Matthew 26. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. In all the doom and all the gloom that he's talking about here and his death, and that they're not going to partake of the Lord's supper with him or the Passover until the Father's kingdom, there's a great little verse, verse 32, isn't it? <laughs> there's hope, there's hope. In all the troubles of life, when the sheep have been scattered, when the sheep have been persecuted, when the sheep have been hounded by uh, the wolves and the robbers and the thieves, there is hope. But I, after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Well, that would have lifted their spirits, and I think they needed that at this time. Amidst all this prophecy of gloom and doom, there's grand hope. With all the world and all the predictions that we have, from the Greens to the Labour Party to all the other odd parties, <laughs> there is hope, isn't there? <laughs> hey, listen, if we'd had Bill Shorten now governing, we would still be able to say there is hope. <laughs> and it's not in man. And it's not in the government. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the good and great shepherd of the sheep. Read Psalm 22, 23 and 24 about the shepherd of the Lord. He shepherds the people. And there is hope. After I am risen. What did, what did Paul say? If there is no resurrection, if the Lord had not been raised, we are of all men most miserable. What a miserable lot you are if the Lord has, we are, if the Lord has not risen. But he is. He is now seated and he is empowering the church through his spirit he is answering our prayers as we offer them in his name to to our heavenly father and there is hope um, do you have hope well don't you believe in resurrection <laughs> he is not here come see the place where the lord lay he is not here for he is risen titus 2 i was questioned once when i was preaching for a family camp many years ago and someone got on to me about saying, well, what hope is there in the Christian life? And I thought, what have you been reading? What have you not been reading? And this verse came to my mind in Titus chapter 
chapter 2. It's because we repeated it so often when we had Awana, uh, the, all the other pals and chums and things that were involved back then. And in verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have a blessed hope. We have a precious promise left to us by the Lord. And just back in Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them who are asleep. You see, they, they were becoming hopeless, the Thessalonians. Some of their beloved believers had died there. That you sorrow not even as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even them also who sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Hey, it's not only hope for me, it's hope for them that have gone, that we'll see them again. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, and that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not pre prevent them who are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I don't know about you, but more and more, I don't know if it's because I'm growing older, but more and more I'm thinking, oh, the Lord might come when I'm walking down this path. The Lord might come. <laughs> it just It's a hope that's always in my mind. And the, and the disciples had hope because he promised he would rise again. We have hope because he promised he would, he would raise us again and to be in his presence. Sorrow not even as others who have no hope. And so this hope signified in verse 32. The prophecy of Jesus, a wonderful prophecy with hope there. And as you read through the Psalms, you know, the psalmist wrote those things often because they were under Terrible trial and persecution. And the start of the psalm is always, oh, it's downhill. It's depressing, you know, everything's woe is me. But by the end of the psalm, most psalms ends where? Rejoicing and thankful and praising God for the hope that they have. Peter answered, in verse, we're back in Matthew 26. We have the promise of Peter. We've gone from the prophecy of Jesus to the promise of Peter. <laughs> Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall offend because of thee, yet I will never be offended. And can you hear Peter saying that and saying it strong and with emotion? That's Peter. <laughs> he just said it. I will never be offended. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, This night before the cock crows, thou shalt deny me thrice. And so we have the promise recited. Uh, he boldly said, At least he stepped up, didn't he? <laughs> when all the others thought, Oh no, what are we facing here? He stepped out and made this promise. He, he, <clears throat> well, didn't the Lord say, I'm the rock? <laughs> I'm a rock, sorry, not the rock. A rock in Matthew 16 verse 18. So he thoughtfully probably said what he said. He didn't really know in his own heart what he was saying. How many people over the years that I've heard made or make promises that I will do this and I will do that. 
And pastor, if you see me going astray, give me a swift kick. That's what people have said. <laughs> and, and hey, when they're out of sorts like they get, you can't give them a swift kick because they kick you and grind you to dust <laughs> because they get so upset. <laughs> ah, Let's be people that keep our promises. <laughs> I've heard people say this, pastors say this, I'm in it for the long haul. The haul, the engine must have broken down because <laughs> they're not in it and they're still living and they haven't been around for 20 years preaching either. I'm in it for the long haul. Stick at it. The end is in sight. <laughs> There's light at the end of the tunnel. The Lord's coming. There's hope, isn't there? <clears throat> Ah, if we're going to make a promise, like Peter made a promise, loud and before everybody, you have to be sure you can keep the promise. <laughs> and Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crows, thou should deny me thrice. <clears throat> we have a very brief summary in Matthew of what all happened that night. Because if you go to the Gospel of John from chapter 14, right through chapter 17... If all the other sayings that happened around this, this event when they left the, the celebration of the supper and they went over to the Garden of Gethsemane, there's, there's chapters that are written. John, John wrote it in detail. He, the last week he just expanded to chapters of the Bible. And these things would have been happening as they were walking and, and as a group of men. And I believe... Some of these things happened, and particularly as we get to the prayers of the Lord Jesus in this chapter and prior to that, happened on the Temple Mount right next to the temple because they're so relative to what was happening inside the temple and what was happening that night at the temple. I mean, the, the, the lambs being offered and people moving about and the priests busy about their business doing what they were doing for in preparation and during the Passover time. And that was in, this was leading up to and the preparation of the Passover. Now, the promise is rebuked here by the Lord. I say unto thee that this night before the cock crows thou should deny me thrice. The Lord knew, didn't he? These thoughts of Peter and these actions of Peter remind me of Matthew 21, just back a few chapters, where the two sons were asked to go and do the, the father's business. And one said, I go. And the other said, I won't go. And one said, I won't go. Changed his mind and did go. And the one that said, I go, didn't go. Who did the father's will? <laughs> If we're going to make a promise, if we make a vow, let's keep our vows before the Lord. And so the promise is repeated after the Lord said to him, you're going to deny me. And Peter said unto him, though I should die with thee, yet I will not deny thee. Likewise said all the disciples. <laughs> if we're going to shoot out the lip. We've got to live it, don't we? Uh, put it into shoe leather 
What does James say there? If you say it, do it. Do it. It's better to do it than just say it. <clears throat> and so Peter did, he re reiterated his promise with added vows of, of, of promise to the Lord. And all the disciples, it says in verse 35, said, yes, we will, we will too. And how many times have we done the same thing? How many broken vows have we made to the Lord? Can you remember them? I don't want confession, but you remember them before the Lord. Remember back at when you used to go to camp 50 years ago or whatever? I made some promises to the Lord. Maybe there's some here that promised to go into preaching and pastoring way back then. Maybe you've, and, and I think we've all done that, promised, Lord, I will read my Bible and pray every day. How many have broken that promise? There's one, honest, <laughs> two. We've broken the promises, haven't we? How must the Lord's heart be saddened when we've done that? We've broken his, the promise we made to him. Over in Ecclesiastics chapter 5, you know where I'm going, don't you? We were in Ecclesiastics a bit this morning, but chapter 5, verse 1 and following, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. When you're in a service, when you're in a place where the evangelist is preaching and the Spirit is convicting you, keep your foot and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. Be careful what you promise. Under the conviction of the Spirit, be careful what you promise. For they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before the Lord, before God, Peter. No, it doesn't say. <laughs> Peter hadn't lived it yet. For God is in heaven and thou upon the earth, therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. Ooh, that hit. <laughs> this is a spot, doesn't it? <clears throat> Some people think they're communicating when they're talking to you and they're not letting you talk to them. And it's not communication. It's a one-way conversation. Be careful. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. This is what started in verse 1. Pray that, pay that which thou hast vowed. Maybe you've made a promise financially. Maybe you've made a promise physically or, or spiritually. You've made a promise in the past and God is waiting for you to fulfill the promise. You know, Paul said to the Galatians, ye did run well. What hindered you? What stopped you from keeping the promise you made to the Lord? But in all this, go to chapter 26 of Matthew and verse 41. We ought to be thankful for who the Lord is. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. What does the Lord know? He knows we're just made of, of dust. 
He, he, the flesh is, he knows our flesh is weak. What chapter in the Bible would you go to if you thought more about the flesh and the, the troubles we have with it in keeping the vows that we make to the Lord? In fact, some of the vows we've probably even forgotten. And we don't remember, but the Lord doesn't forget. In verse 19 of Romans 6, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. As ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield ye your members, this body, servants to righteousness unto holiness. The Lord knows the weakness of our flesh. And he knows that we've failed him. He knows that we haven't kept the vows that we've made. And he knows that we've forgotten some of the vows we've made to him. And he is a merciful God. And he's a gracious God. <laughs> he doesn't come down with the law. We live in the day of grace. <laughs> in chapter 7 of Romans and, and verse 17, we read this. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me, said Paul. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me. Peter, you're making a promise you cannot keep. And he, he, he reiterated it, he said it again. And they all said it then. And the Lord said, no, you're not. But the Lord was gracious. And in the fire by the seashore, Peter got right with the Lord. And the Lord forgave him. And put him back into service. And he became the leader of the band, didn't he? <laughs> the leader of the apostles. The Lord can do that. And so don't feel that, I failed the Lord so miserably, what's the use of trying? No, no, don't do that. <laughs> so the Lord can pick me up and use me again, even after I vowed and not kept my vows. Uh, thanks be to the Lord that he is like that. And God can use any that will recommit themselves to do what they promised to do. And with his strength, with his strength... <laughs> Keep the vows that we make. So there's a few thoughts from that portion tonight. Hope we can personalise them. Next time we'll get into the prayers of the Lord Jesus. And seeing the prophecy of the Lord and the promise of Peter and then the prayers of the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are who you are. A very long-suffering God. A patient God. One that forever knocks on our heart's door and asks us to come back to him. That we might do that which we promised to do. And Lord, let us, our words, be few. Let us be serious about what we say and not say it flippantly because you do hear. You are in heaven, but you do hear. And you do hold us to account. And Lord, may we start anew and afresh if we've broken the promises we've made to you. That we might be your people used by you for your glory until you come. And what a blessed hope we have. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.